You know, I'm really not convinced that my business has product market fit. And I am four years deep into this journey, so I should probably have it. Or feel like I'm inching closer to achieving it. According to some people that I've spoken to, I do have product market fit. But the definition of what it is changes depending on who you ask. So why don't I think I have product market fit? Well, I'm, I'm in the business of selling people something that they don't want to pay for, statistically won't have to use, and have negative feelings about. Now, despite that sounding very pessimistic, I'm not discrediting my entire business. I wholeheartedly believe every freelancer benefits from being insured on an aspirational level because it helps you to be a confident freelancer. But only a small percentage of customers will use their policy on a practical level, getting legal help. So this means that all of the metrics that you would measure to define product market fit, like how sticky your product is or how much it's loved by customers go out the window. You have to kind of approach things differently in insurance. I came across Lenny's newsletter recently. Um, It's a guy called Lenny who writes a newsletter and one of his most popular newsletters was his list of pre and post launch factors to gauge if you've achieved product market fit. I will link to it in the show notes. And after working my way through the list, some of which I'm about to share, I'm still not convinced I have product market fit, but I'm not entirely sure. So let's look at the pre-launch product market fit factors. Number one is visible excitement. You can gauge if there's excitement around your product if, upon discovering it, somebody muses, where have you been all my life? Now let's be real. Insurance is a purchase most people begrudge. There's a feeling that it's something they'll never have to use and they're throwing money away. And the only person that I know that gets visibly excited about insurance is, well, me. I actually, I thought that we would achieve product market fit with the last product launch uh, because unlike other insurance products which are triggered by a client threatening legal action or trying to recover compensation from you, this product delivered value on a more consistent basis, assisted you with the day-to-day headaches of running a business. So a client hasn't paid? Well, a solicitor will nudge them on your behalf. There's a contract dispute? Pick up the phone and speak to a legal expert about it. Delegating your work to a subcontractor? Well, here's a consultancy contract vetted by a lawyer. There actually was a lot of excitement um, when I started talking about this product with existing customers. And I also have this very vivid memory of talking about it at a conference, remember those. And somebody in the audience said, this sounds too good to be true. So all of that indicated to me that I was on the right track, but that excitement never translated to sales. And as we all know, people parting with their money is the biggest indicator of product market fit. 
So I haven't found the secret sauce that will get customers visibly excited, but it's something I'm always exploring and I am confident that I will crack it. So I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself zero points for this first one. That's right, we're doing a points-based system. Number two, people are willing to pay for it now. Remember, this is pre-launch product market fit factors at the moment. Getting people to give you money before you have a product is a pre-launch signal of product market fit. And again, things work differently with insurance because we're not selling a tangible product and you're not buying a service that you're guaranteed to use. About 5% of our customers will make an insurance claim. So instead of people parting with money, with Jack's pre-launch indication of interest was an email list. When I launched an earlier version, the first version, I kept our positioning very broad. You know, it could be insurance for agencies, uh, startups, freelancers, and it was overwhelmingly freelancers that registered their interest. Now, I'm well aware that having somebody sign up to an email list doesn't carry the same weight as having somebody pay for something that hasn't yet launched, but email lists still deliver value. My list helped me to define my target audience and it gave me a small number of people to use as a launch pad. And this was seven years ago, which in internet years is an eternity. So I don't know if the advice around using email lists to gauge interest has changed much, but I believe that my list helped me get my first 25 to 50 customers. So I'm going to give myself half a point for this. Moving on to post-launch product market fit. Number three, retention. Users stick around. In SaaS, anything below 5% is considered good for churn. But insurance is different. I'm going to be saying that a lot, aren't I? Um, according to consumer intelligence, a staggering 47% of customers don't renew their insurance with their existing provider. That's almost half. With Jack's churn is 13%. Um, now, COVID-19 has impacted retention, which I talked about in the last episode. Um, but I've used pre-pandemic figures because they were very consistent over the three years and it's still too early to tell if this is a blip or if COVID will have a lasting impact on churn. Compared to SaaS, 13% seems high, but when you measure it against other insurance providers, it's low. Exit surveys indicate that most cancellations happen because the freelancer's returning to full-time employment, not because they're unhappy with the product or the service or price. So comparing this metric to industry standards, I am awarding myself a point. So Ashley's product market fit is on one and a half points out of a possible three. Number four, surveys. Users say they'd be very disappointed if your product went away. Um, well, I have a confession. I've never actually asked customers this. I've never asked them directly if they'd be disappointed if we went away. So maybe that's something that I should. But um, with Jack's NPS score, which is an impressive 87%, and our reviews indicate customers are happy, we actually 
only ask people for reviews when they've made a claim because this is where the value lies. Asking what somebody thinks once they've signed up invites superficial comments like fast checkout and cool sign up and that just doesn't feel as important as the experience somebody has when they use the practical element of their policy. So whilst we do have glowing reviews, I still believe that we could be replaced by an alternative solution a bit too easily. I don't think we currently have enough to differentiate us. So I'm giving myself another half a point. Customers generally like with Jack, but at this point it feels we can be replaced and that's very fragile. So I'm up to two points now. Number five, exponential organic growth. No, we've not had exponential growth, but I am not convinced that many insurance companies do. Um, In this industry, I'd say rapid growth is an exception, not the rule. Lemonade was the exception. Uh, For those that don't know, Lemonade's a US insurtech, I think specialising in home insurance. So rocket ship growth is replaced with slow burn growth, which I actually prefer, to be honest, and I've, I've come to this conclusion based on, yeah, my own experience, but also from looking at VC-backed competitors. You know, they've been given hundreds of thousands of pounds to pump into marketing, yet to date, none of them have managed to get a stronghold on their market. And this is actually one of the one of the many reasons that I felt reluctant to raise money um, because most of the funding available to insurtechs comes from outside the traditional insurance sector, which has its positives. But if investors have the same expectations for growth from other sectors, that's going to lead to problems. So growth is organic, but it's definitely not exponential. So zero points for this one. Number six, CAC is lower than LTV. (laughs) Customer acquisition uh, costs are lower than the lifetime value of a customer. One of the definitions of product market fit from Lenny's newsletter is this quote from Nikhil Singhal. The value of each user is greater than the cost of bringing them into the product. And this is certainly true for me. I've spent very little on marketing over the years and have instead focused on organic growth. I've experimented with sponsoring podcasts only from people who use with Jack, so the message is sincere. And I've recently hired somebody to do SEO. Not just somebody, Bryony. Hi, Bryony. However, my goal has always been to double down on marketing once. I get my binder. Quick recap for those who are new here. My binder, which I've been droning on about for two years or something, will mean that I can quote and bind policies direct from WithJack's website using the magic of technology instead of manually processing everything as I'm currently doing. Right now, I feel like I'm spread pretty thin with over a thousand customers, you know, I'm doing all customer support, admin and everything else myself. Um, So because of this, I've yet to double down on doing the work that brings customers to our website. Once my binder's complete, 
I will be experimenting with paid marketing. But being bootstrapped means I won't pay more than the value of each user to acquire them. Uh, lifetime value is currently £112. So I'm definitely giving myself a point for that. Ashley's product market fit. Three points. Number seven. Customers clamour for your product. Uh... Well, to reiterate what I said at the start, insurance is a purchase that most people begrudge. And I don't know if that will ever change, but I believe there needs to be more education around how the products work and the value they bring. Seeing firsthand the problems freelancers face and how we assist them and and how insurance can sometimes be the difference between staying in business or not, I really believe in what we're selling. However, there is a history of negative connotations surrounding insurance to battle with amongst other obstacles that I've already mentioned. Helping freelancers get paid, making legal help accessible, these are just some of the the valuable features the policy delivers. But the theory is that people don't think what you offer is valuable if you throw it in for free. So maybe the issue is with bundling these features into an insurance policy or maybe the issue is with the name of the policies or how we position it. Maybe it's all of those things. I've said it before and I'll say it again. There is a missing piece of the puzzle and my job is to figure out what that is. So customers are not clamouring for my product and I'm not sure that will change. So for as long as I work in insurance anyway. So we end on three points out of a possible seven. Now, Justin Can is an entrepreneur and investor. Justin Can says you don't have product market fit if you aren't growing, you have high churn, your product is hard to sell and customers don't seem to care that much. Well, we are growing and churn is low, but the product is hard to sell and Well, it's insurance. Customers are indifferent until they have to use it. Whichever definition of product market fit we use, it's clear I am hitting some of the metrics. Just not all. My business has plenty of positives, but I think there's one piece of the puzzle missing. That killer feature that gets customers visibly excited makes us irreplaceable and results in exponential growth is still waiting to be discovered. Whenever I do this podcast, I always forget to write an outro. So I have written one this time. Now I've been talking about my binder a lot and I'm considering doing a whole series dedicated to the road to automation. You know, with Jack working towards having the technology to handle everything from issuing quotes to binding policies and more. And this is been a really long time in the making. There's a ton of stuff happening behind the scenes that I've never talked about. I want to be transparent about this process, um, you know, including the cost, the fear of building and moving to a new system that deviates from what we currently do, which works. You know, this is a massive project, the biggest one I've ever undertaken. And it's been so overwhelming. If getting an insight into all of this sounds interesting, then let me know. But I'm probably going to do it anyway. Uh, You can reach me, hello at iamashley.co.uk or 
I am Ashley on Twitter, which I really have to start using again. Bye for now.